Welcome to the Lingostown Life Podcast, where our community seeks to love God and love others. Here you'll find timely teachings, important conversations, and encouraging devotionals to improve your life and help you deepen your faith. In this sermon, Reverend Jason Mackey preaches about listening to the rest of the story. This sermon was originally preached at Lingostown Life on June 25th, 2023. Turning next uh, to our scripture, Uh, this morning's scripture and this morning's theme is all about storytelling in the midst of transition, and one of the best storytellers in the scriptures is, in my opinion, Luke. I love Luke. Luke is a great storyteller. If you're looking for an easy gospel to start reading through, start with Luke. That's where we get the Christmas story, starts in Luke chapter 2 right? And then there's all sorts of great stories the further on you go. And this morning's scripture comes from Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. It's a story that I've preached on many times, because I love it. And if you've never heard me preach before, I'm sorry. Here we go. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region and had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead and climbed a a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he, he looked up into the tree at Zacchaeus and said, by name, Zacchaeus. Quick, come down. I must be a guest at your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down the tree and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, Salvation has truly come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious and almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing unto you, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I love a good story. I love a good story, whether it's told around a campfire. I love a good story, whether it's told over the radio or the internet. I love a good story that I can read. I love a good story that I can share. I love a good story. That's just who I am. I love a good Disney movie. Ah, Just say it. I love a good story. I get so invested in a story and the characters. My wife and I have been watching Grey's Anatomy together since I was in seminary. I love a good story. 
I'd call her on the way home from class and she would tell me what was happening because we didn't have DVR back then. I love a good story. And you know what? I'll bet money, dollars to donuts, that y'all love a good story too. In fact, I'm willing to bet that the vast majority of the people in this room know exactly what happened to the Titan sub. Don't you? It's because you love a good story. You probably tracked it for days as the entire media mogul has, has followed it from one thing to the next. We, we learned the story of the missing sub that went down to see the Titanic. We started to learn the stories about the safety history of this sub and the CEO who resigned. We, we learned the story of the other CEO who made some poor decisions to continue going. We saw the story and, uh, of the search for the sub and the sounds on the ocean floor. We heard the stories that they maybe have found wreckage and they assume all are lost and we've followed the follow-up story that says the young teenager who was on this ship was probably terrified before he went on this adventure. Y'all followed the story of five people you've never met and likely in your lives never would have met because you love a good story. I have loved a good story since I was a little kid. When I was a little kid going to church, we'd go to Epworth at 21st and Derry. We would get to church and we'd do worship and we'd do Sunday school after worship with Miss Betty Atkinson. I loved Betty Atkinson. And after church, we would drive home and my parents would have on the radio a man whose signature line was, and that's the rest of the story. Y'all know this guy, right? Paul Harvey. Good day. <laughs> we would sit and we would listen to Paul Harvey on the radio every Sunday morning. And if my father drove too fast or the, the story went too long, we would sit in the driveway or in the garage until Paul Harvey was done telling his story. Because he made a career out of educating us on things we didn't know. He'd tell us the background story of, of FDR and Elvis Presley. He'd tell you the little things that you didn't know, the, the war stories and the poverty stories and the really interesting stories that, that get to the meat of life. He would tell you the things that you wanted to know because that was the rest of the story. And stories matter. In fact, stories didn't stop mattering 20 years ago when Paul Harvey was on the radio. Stories still matter today. In fact, they have an entire digital technical genre committed to story. They call them podcasts, right? One of my favorite podcasters is Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell was a writer for The New Yorker and a journalist and an author, an incredibly talented and deeply thoughtful individual. His podcast is Revisionist History, and my sons will listen to a 45-minute podcast without distraction. It's insane. Because we love the stories of overlooked and misunderstood things. 
We love stories that we can dive into, that we can relate to. We love stories where we can feel part of it. We can find our place and our role because stories do powerful things. They, they invite you in and then, and, and, they, and they convey some values, some kind of message of importance to your life. You see, stories are truly powerful, and stories have been the way that we've shared history and faith and culture from time immemorable. Because you see, stories, stories share something that just telling people can't. With stories, the more you know, the more you care, the more you care to know. And Jesus used this tool as a powerful storytelling tool. Jesus would tell stories in the parables, but Jesus would also live the stories that Luke could go on and write and pass down to us. And the reality is that for all of us here today, for the vast majority of us, you've probably not met Jesus directly, right? It's pretty rare that people have the miraculous Jesus moment where angels or Jesus walk into their lives and they will testify, yes, I've met Jesus. The reality for most of us is that we've only ever met Jesus through the stories. The stories of the scriptures, the stories that Jesus has shared, the stories that make Jesus come alive. That's why Jesus and that's why stories are so important. It's because they convey our faith to us. Stories build relationships. As we find ourselves here on this week of transition and, and we close one chapter with Pastor George where we've had 20 years of stories, Next week, we open a new chapter with Pastor Rachel, where we have to share those stories again. Because you see, you've got stories that have gone on for years and years, don't you? You've got stories of how you came to faith and how your kids came to faith, how you taught vacation Bible school and life camp and you went on that mission trip and how you helped build this space. You have those stories. And you know what? Pastor Rachel hasn't heard any of them. But Pastor Rachel has stories too. Pastor Rachel has really good stories. I know her story. I know Pastor Rachel personally. And I'm not going to spoil her story, but I want to invite you to share your story and listen to hers. Because it's in sharing the stories that the relationship is built. It's in sharing the stories that the more you know, the more you care, the more you care to know. Storytelling. Stories are powerfully important. And one of the most powerful stories I believe in Scripture is the story of Zacchaeus. Now everybody probably knows a little bit about Zacchaeus. If you attended church camp or VBS or Sunday school, you probably know Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. If you've read scripture or listened to the scripture passage, you probably picked up on the simple fact that Zacchaeus was short, he couldn't see Jesus, he was rich and unpopular, and Jesus changed his life. Woo, story over. But there's so much more to that. 
The story of Zacchaeus takes place in Jericho. And anybody who's interested in going to Israel with me, here's your Holy Land plug, you can join me and we will visit Jericho. One of the really awesome parts of Jericho, Jericho has been permanently inhabited. It's the only city on the face of the planet that's been permanently inhabited for more than 10,000 years. 10,000 years. And we believe, tradition states, that this is the sycamore fig tree that Zacchaeus would have climbed. You've got your setting. It's in Jericho. It is cool. Not going to stop there. You see, the story of Zacchaeus and Jericho is intertwined. You see, Jericho as an old city, it was 8,000 years old back then. Stories and reputations, man, do they linger. Y'all who have lived in Lingolstown your entire lives, you know the 200, 250 years here, man, stories linger. They keep lasting. Imagine if your town was 8,000 years old. You can't get away from that kind of reputation. In fact, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He had a wicked reputation. He was a traitor to the Jewish people. You see, Israel was being occupied by the Romans, and Zacchaeus was a tax collector, not for the temple, not for the Jews. He was a collector for the Romans. He was a traitor. That's like if he was a tax collector in America for the Russians, right? That's what we're talking about he was collecting taxes on behalf of the romans and as a tax collector you were legally allowed to charge a little extra to cover your own right so he would go and he would legally extort money from people and not only was he a tax collector he was a chief tax collector this piece of scum was teaching other people how to extort and legally steal money from their own people what a jerk no wonder he was not popular. Chief among sinners? Absolutely a thief. This guy, Zacchaeus, when he would go out on town, people would mumble and murmur everywhere. His wife would go to market and she'd pick up a mango and they'd be like, don't touch that mango. She touched it. She's got cooties. They'd go out on the soccer field for the kids' game, and everybody would, like, avoid Zacchaeus' kids. They'd just score. Let them, let them go. We don't want to be near them. Zacchaeus was hated. Nobody came over to their house on Friday nights. Man, no party invites. Nobody wanted to be near them. And Zacchaeus, understandably, his life was pretty lonely. When you don't have any friends, when you've got a reputation that's 8,000 years old, it's hard to be seen for who you really are. That is until this guy, Jesus, comes along. You see, Jesus had been preaching just a dozen, couple dozen miles up the road in the Galilee. He'd been preaching around the Sea of Galilee and all the towns, and by this point, Jesus has already preached his, his manifesto, the Sermon on the Mount, right, where like 5,000 people heard him preaching for an entire day. You think, I preach long, nothing on Jesus. Jesus has built a reputation of healing people and listening to them, of forgiving the woman who was caught into the act of adultery, and, and listening to the teachers of the law, and listening to the, the common salt of the earth. 
Jesus was different. And, and as Jesus was coming to town that day in Jericho, there were throngs of people who were traveling with him because Jesus didn't just have 12 disciples. Jesus had 12 close disciples. Jesus had hundreds of disciples. And they would travel with Jesus as much as they could. And if they were going to a big town like Jericho, I promise you there were a lot of disciples that went along with Jesus. And so it's like this parade coming down from the Galilee, coming up the road. And all the kids who were playing in the countryside, and they start to see this mass of people and the dust cloud that's kicked up. They're like, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. The British are coming. The British are coming. Right? Like they're running ahead of him. And the town is heard, and the market closes, and the synagogue clears out, and every Everybody lines the streets because they want to see this guy Jesus. Word is already spread through the traders in the market, and they know that this guy is different, and Zacchaeus has gotten word that Jesus is coming. And so Zacchaeus, just like everybody else, he runs out to the road to see Jesus. But Zacchaeus is a wee little man, and he can't see over the crowd. They don't care about Zacchaeus. They are shoulder to shoulder, tight on the roadside. Forget you, chief tax collector. And they're just nudging him out. And so Zacchaeus is so excited because Jesus might be different. Jesus might not care about his reputation. Jesus sees people who, for who people are. And so Zacchaeus, he looks up and down the roadside and he sees the sycamore tree. And he says, I'll bet I could see Jesus from there. And maybe just with a look, just Jesus and I exchange a look, he'll be the first person who actually sees me. And so in an act of desperation and absolute hope, Zacchaeus runs up the side of the street to the sycamore fig tree. He scurries his little butt up to the lowest branch that he can sit on, and he waits for Jesus to come down the road. Now, I'm just curious. Anybody in this room run or climb? Yeah, very few of you. If you run or climb, you're probably under 20. <laughs> right? Wasn't much different in Zacchaeus's day. Adults didn't run, adults didn't climb. Rich adults paid people to run and climb for them. Zacchaeus was doing something so completely out of character because Jesus meant that much to him. The possibility that Jesus was different, Zacchaeus needed with all of his soul to be in that tree to see this one they called Jesus. And as the parade comes down the street... As the disciples and the crowds start to gather, as the noise kicks up, as people are shouting for Jesus' attention from the roadside, Zacchaeus is just sitting there in the tree, and Jesus sees him. Now granted, Son of God sees your soul, knows all things. Okay. Jesus walks over to the tree. Zacchaeus, get down here. He saw me. He talked to me. Gets his butt out of the tree, goes over to Jesus. Yes, Jesus? I'm having dinner at your house today. Oh, no, he didn't. 
Zacchaeus is thrilled, but the crowd is furious. Do you know who he is, Jesus? Do you know what he does? He is a tax collector. He is a traitor. He has stolen from me, and you're going to go be with him? What's wrong with my family? We're awesome. And yet Zacchaeus go, Jesus goes to be a guest at Zacchaeus' house. Now, let me clarify. Zacchaeus didn't know that Jesus was coming to dinner. Zacchaeus couldn't just stop by Costco on the way home. His wife didn't just go down to the bread shop to pick up a loaf of bread. Zacchaeus needed to send somebody out into the field to slaughter a calf. His wife needed to knead some bread fresh and build up a fire and cook a meal. Do you understand that this was probably the better part of a day that Jesus spent with Zacchaeus? This was a Mary Martha kind of moment, right? There's all this activity going on in the household to prepare for this dinner with Jesus and probably much of his entourage. And Jesus and Zacchaeus are just sharing together. They're sharing stories. They're hearing about one another. And Jesus, the first time in Zacchaeus' life, is listening to him. Jesus is showing Zacchaeus by his very presence and his listening ear that you matter. Because Jesus lived out the example that the more you know, the more you care, the more you care to know. Jesus lived out the fact that love listens. And what did the crowd do? The crowd grumbled. The crowd murmured. The crowd gossiped. The crowd could not understand. The crowd was so wrapped up on justice and what is right that they missed the love and grace that encapsulates Christ. I wonder, brothers and sisters, are we more likely to follow the example of Jesus or the crowd? I wonder, do we listen or do we grumble? Because grumbling prevents listening. You see, in our world today, there's not a lot of listening going on. Whether you talk from a political, a social, or a cultural perspective, I believe one of the deepest things that we're missing is the ability to listen. We're not sharing those stories with people. People. We're not willing to listen to one another and hear where one another comes from, to hear our backgrounds, to hear more about other people, because it's only in the more you know that you start to care more. And yet the stories are not being shared and told. The grumbling prevents listening. You see, in our world today, the UN estimates that there are 108 million displaced people 43 million of which are children. We're talking refugees, folks. 38% of those come from the countries of Turkey, I'm sorry, Syria, Ukraine, and Afghanistan. And they find themselves living in Turkey, Pakistan, Germany, Colombia, and Iran. These are not the nicest of environments. And the reality is only about one in every thousand will be resettled this year. 
Some of those right here in the Harrisburg area. But are we listening for their stories? Because the more you know, the more you care, the more you care to know. The U.S. Department of Agriculture recently released a report on farm workers. And while we understand that immigration is a huge and important topic, the reality is there are two and a half million farm workers who put fruits and vegetables on our store stands. 43% of those workers work in the fields. More than half of those are born outside the U.S. That puts us at about... A million people? Only 371,000 of which had visas to work last year. The more you know, the more you care, the more you care to know. Our brothers and, and sisters in the black community, black children are two times as likely to be arrested. A child twice as likely as a, black, as a white child. It's not because they commit more crimes, it's because they face the system more often. Statistics reveal that black children are more likely to be the victims of stop and search, suspension, expulsion, poor plea deals because they can't afford good representation, wrongful convictions, and harsher sentencing because they don't have an advocate on their side. For the same crimes, they are five times as likely to be incarcerated as a white child. They call it the preschool to prison pipeline. Brothers and sisters, are we listening? For the more you know, the more you care, the more you care to know. Among Gen Z today, 20% identify as other than heterosexual. I heard the question this week, why does Pride Month, the month of June, matter? There's not a straight month. Well, pride matters because every 45 seconds, a teenager attempts suicide believing that they're better off dead than gay. And that's not okay. See, the reality is that conversations have been banned from the classrooms and our libraries. And children need to know that they are beloved children of God, no matter who they are. Are we listening, church? Because the more you know, the more you care, the more you care to know. Now, this is only four major issues, and, and I'm a realist. You're not going to transform the world and solve any of these problems uh, this week, this year, uh, maybe even this decade. But you could go a long way by leaning in and listening to someone's story. You could change the world for one person, and that's what Jesus did. I don't know if Jesus believed or agreed with the decisions of the people that he ministered to, but I know who he ministered to. Jesus ministered to Nicodemus in the middle of the night when he came to him asking questions of faith, fearful that people would judge him if they saw him during the day. I know that Jesus leaned in and listened to the woman at the well who had a spotty reputation at best, and he didn't send her away, but he listened while the disciples were off getting food. 
I know that Jesus lent a sympathetic and healing ear to the lepers who lived in a colony because they'd been ostracized from life, and he restored them to wholeness. I know that Jesus showed grace and forgiveness to a woman who was deserved to be stoned. I know that even after rising from the dead, Jesus walked and shared stories with two people on the road to Emmaus, and their faith came alive. I don't know much more about those people, but I know about my Jesus. Are we listening, church? Because the more you know, the more you care, the more you care to know. Jesus doesn't call us to agree with other people's life choices. Whether you agree with them doesn't matter. In our culture and our world, we have not been of one mind. And yet we have had the ability to share stories with one another, to invest in relationships with one another, to listen to one another. For Jesus models, love listens to the rest of the story. So I wonder, church, in this time of transition for our congregation, And what I believe is a time of transition for our country and our culture, are we willing to model Jesus' listening ear for stories? For as Jesus departed his disciples in John 13, he said, They will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Are we listening, church? For the more you know, the more you care, the more you care to know. Amen? Thank you for joining us on the Linglestown Life Podcast. If this message was meaningful to you, we hope you will leave a review and share it with others. If you want to know more about our church or would like to attend a service or community event, find out more on www.linglestownlife.org God bless you, and may you go forth and love God and love others.